You're listening to the Fubba Lead Podcast. With Timothy Martin and Connor Bunn. Alright, welcome back everybody to eNASCAR's number one podcast. We're doing things a little bit different this week as you can see. Uh, we're on YouTube this week for those of you who are listening just the audio version. But uh, we have a few pet few guests joining us we'll get into that in a second but before we get started before i forget because i will forget i want to mention to follow us on our social medias at for the lead on twitter instagram and facebook and if you even want to email us it's for the lead at gmail.com but uh ooh, nonetheless this is a little bit of a different show we have going on this week as you can see we have quite a few guests on uh they're known in the group chat as the dig infield trailer park boys so i'll just turn it over to them to introduce <laughs> yourself we'll start with mike What's up, guys? This is Mike Gamble, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Stock Car Spectacle. How you guys doing? Good. What up? Dakota? Hey, my name's Dakota Rutledge, a.k.a. NASCAR Baby. I got a show called At The Line on YouTube, and uh, I do a bunch of streaming of my NASCAR Heat 4 League. But uh, just come catch up with you guys, talk about NASCAR. All right, Dalton. What's going on, guys? This is Dalton Good, a.k.a. Dalton Good 18 the best Kyle Busch fan on Twitter. How's it going, guys? Word. <laughs> All right, Nick. Hi. Uh, hey, guys. Nick Kinzel here, another co-host on the Stock Car Spectacle. Excited to be here. And the man who refuses to get an iPhone to join our group chat over messaging, <laughs> Ian Jordson. Hey, guys. <laughs> What's going on? It's Ian Jordson. I'm the host of the Stock Car Spectacle. Thanks for having me on. So, are you like in a driver suit since you don't do anything but leave? You don't leave that simulator. You is that a driver suit you're wearing? Uh, no, it's a Noah Gregson uh, pit crew shirt. But uh, you know, I actually I haven't been on the simulator probably in two days or so. I'm just giving my arms a break. Wow, <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah, Ian's ready to go spot a race for for Gregson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <it>. right. <laughs> If you guys have ever tuned in to the Stock Car Spec Show, they start out their show by doing a diecast of the week. Uh, so with permission from their leaders, we decided to steal them this week. So I, gotta, I want to turn it over to you guys before we show our diecast of the week. Which one of you guys want to go first? Show what you got. Well, I wasn't aware of this because no one tells me anything <laughs> because I'm not in the group chat. So give me a sec. Where you, everyone I'll else reach behind me. I'll find mine. I'll go first. I'll play a little homage to our hosts here since we're on with uh, for the lead. This one's for you, Timothy. I've got the Chase Elliott number nine first win die cast. Nice. So, yeah, it's a good looking nice. car, man. You can put that in the mail to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll go second. We, since we're... we get the die cast that you all show on the show. That's part of the promotion. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm pretty i'm gonna put this one away then but now since we're all having some uh adult beverages tonight i decided to bust out the chris busher uh Nat, the natterday car the, the sign from last from last year uh i got this on the plan b sale black friday sale for about 40 bucks for a signed car and it's a natterday car so i thought oh, what the hell why not yeah. And guys, for I, those of you that don't know, Nick dropped a rent payment worth of cars on that Black Friday sale on Plan B sales. God, three hundred bucks on Black Friday sales from Plan B <laughs> got me nine new diecasts. So yeah, I can't yeah. wait for this year's. 
can, can never go wrong with the Natty Lights, uh, the National like, Beer of all college hey, students. The thirty ring. <laughs> The 30 isn't, quite, uh, isn't quite at his residency right now. He's at a hotel, from what I understand. It looks pretty tropical, but he's going to show us a diecast <laughs> on his phone. <laughs> Here's a picture I took of Kevin's car in Daytona because I didn't get the diecast memo. But uh, all right, all right, I'll I'll take it. I I can I I can respect that. Working, so I did what I could, but uh, I'll be prepared next time. Word. All right, Ian, you're up. All right, so. Uh, I got Mark Martin's 2007 U.S. Army scheme. Uh, I like to put this one and Kevin Harvick's Daytona win right next to each other, uh, <laughs> just for a nice display purpose. So, uh, but honestly, like one of my favorite paint schemes. I love the Army car when uh, Nemechek drove it, and even when Mark Martin drove it. So, definitely one of my favorites. Definitely, definitely a classic. That was actually the first race I ever. Ever watching, uh, man, was was it a good one? All right, Timothy. Oh, really? Wow. All right. No, I'm not. This is not the full size diecast. This is a little one, but um, take a look. Oh my god! Hey. When did oh, you get that? Eighties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's the original one sixty fourth diecast. This is Neil Bonnet's car. Can we give him some respect? <laughs> <laughs> it looks good it looks good if for those of you uh listening i have literally been in a, a verbal altercation with about everybody on the screen over the last week in in the group chat so <laughs> i almost didn't come down here and do this i was protesting up until the last minute we almost forgot all right dalton you got one uh i got four sorry all Ooh. right oh wow. overachiever wow oh, oh, got the bristol sweet pack there's a nice piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I got this for Christmas. Thank you, Dad. And one more. Um, I think it'd be a good story. Um, you guys remember uh, Jeff Bird or Noah by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the former. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jeff Bird was the book. former general manager of Bristol uh, Speedway. And uh, when I was 10 years old, uh, Jeff Bird actually invited me to his uh, – office in Bristol Motor Speedway and he decided to buy me this in the gift shop. This is Dale Earnhardt's uh, Daytona 500, the uh, 10th anniversary of his Daytona 500 win from 1998. It is the car tomorrow with the splitter and the wing. So I, I just thought it'd be a good story. Nice. I've yeah. actually never seen that. Before. Yeah. That's definitely unique. It's, it's very, very I rare. I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't know they made those. That's, that messed with my eyes, seeing a Dale Earnhardt car, a tomorrow car. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, that was a little bit of a mind trick. Um, I was having a bit of a difficulty uh, picking th through the little die cast we have on our table this week. But uh, I am a Kyle Busch fan, and I know the, the last time we did one of these was on the Stock Car Specs channel, and I was sporting a William Byron shirt because he won at Bristol. But uh, this week I'm going to go with a little bit of a different route. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch's 2018 Pocono win. Diecast, but this is only the first one I grabbed tonight. Um, this is definitely a cool one, the caramel Women in the But I'd be, uh, I'd be, uh, oh my god, oh, he did it. I, uh, I'd, be I'd be remiss if we can, if we can just take a, a five second moment of silence for uh, for Kyle Larson, please. All right, so uh. <laughs> Diecast <laughs> reviews of the week. <laughs> All right, we're off and rolling, boys. Woo! I had to, I had to bust out the Larson one. Uh, I think <laughs> I think over the past week, 
we, uh, between the seven, eight of us and the entire NASCAR community, we've talked about the Larson incident enough. And then we touched on it on our show last week, what would po- possibly happen to him. And then the next day he was <laughs> let go from Chip Ganassi Racing. So wish Kyle Larson the best. Wonder what he's doing nowadays. But, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully. We'll, we'll yeah, I mean, uh, I think I saw a report where he is, he's already entered the program. He's already entered the... Um, Sensitivity, the pro- sensitivity yeah. program that uh, he was uh, supposed to do, and so he's determined to get back. I talked to him on the phone last night. He's he's pretty uh, somber. <laughs> you got them hookups, huh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, that- but you're right. I did see that on Twitter today. He's determined to actually try to make a comeback in NASCAR. I know when we were all talking, we were all kind of speculating – since he is such a dirt guy, maybe this is a good time for him to just kind of pursue that. But it sounds like he does want to come back and, you know, try to fix as much of this as he can, get back in the NASCAR and go from there. He's going to be in the 14 car next year. Mark my words. Uh, that's that's my pick, too. That'd be my guess. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in second chances. And I, do, I really do think Kyle Larson deserves one, you know, no matter what he did. But I don't like seeing people fail. So... Give Kyle Larson a second chance, see what he can do out of it. Try to prove these people wrong. Look, the guy goofed up. I get it. He he totally probably regrets it for the rest of his life. I mean, 10 years down the road, they're going to be like, hey, there he is. But, uh, you know, I say he's he's done for the rest of the year if or when we go back racing. And then I could see maybe a low team or smaller team or wild card Stuart Haas or something could pick him up if they could find sponsors willing to put their name attached with him and all this. But I just think time will tell on where Larson goes from here. I think that's the most difficult thing is what sponsor is going to want to have their name associated with Kyle Larson. I think it's going to be tough for him in the beginning. But, yeah, what better team to go to than the Stuart Haas Racing 14 car? Tony Stewart, a man of second chances himself. So I I could definitely see the 14 being a good fit for Kyle Larson. Well, remember that Stuart Gene Haas Haas is somebody that is a sponsor in himself. So, Um, right. No. Yeah. They can move some pieces around. And they can, you know, move some some sponsors on some cars. I think he goes yeah. to the 14 and I think he wins at least 5 races the next year. Well, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when he's in really, really top-tier equipment like that. Like, SHR is one of the very top teams in NASCAR. No disrespect to Chip Ganassi Racing. They're obviously one of the top teams, too. But I think it's pretty pretty fair to argue that SHR is a step above them even. So, yeah, I could see him being a guy who really breaks out in a top, top-tier ride like that. And Connor and I were talking um, yesterday or the day before yesterday. You know, all eyes were Larson to the 48, Larson to the 48. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Nope. Um, and it looks like maybe Ross Chastain to the 42. So who do, who do you all think now goes into the 48? Uh, I think Brad Kozlowski is going to go over there to the 48. Because, I mean, it, it looks like they're already kind of booting him out of Penske. I mean, they switched around the crew chiefs. He kind of got the bad end of it. It looks like Miller Lite's leaving him because they're only with him for the Coke 600 this year. So kind of looks like they're uh, kicking him out of there, and maybe it'll be a good change of view for him to go to the 48. Yeah. So if you would have asked me that before the season started, I would have said Ryan Blaney would have been another really top candidate to t- make a move there. You know, he was kind of the redheaded stepchild at Penske at the time, but, you know, he just signed the big deal and they moved everything around. And I think he's gotten the best of every scenario there. So Penske's definitely, you know, they're they're loading up for the future with Ryan. 
I would like to see them maybe give a guy like a Noah Gragson type or uh, even a Justin Allgaier, just maybe like a transition year uh, until a guy like Noah Gragson's ready. I, yeah, I agree with that. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, no, no, you're saying Noah Gregson to the 48? Maybe not right away. Like I said, maybe they give it to Allgaier, a guy like that, for a year or two, and then maybe Noah Gregson. I oh, think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to come up pretty soon, sooner than you think. Oh, I really don't want to get in a fight with you on this podcast. I don't think no. <laughs> you almost kicked me off before we got on the air. Yes, you do. <laughs> I don't want to get into a fight with anybody today. I really don't think Gregson's ready for it. I don't want to see him get moved up too quickly and then him have like a, a rough start to his cup season, to his cup career, and then they'll just be like, oh, Gregson's a bust. He's not ready for this. Give him time to develop. But I agree with Ian and Brad Keselowski because we all know a couple months ago, before the season started, Drunk Brian France made his Twitter soul rest in peace. Uh, he, <laughs> he was kind of speculating Keselowski to the 48. So I could definitely see that because I think, yeah, Brad's time at Penske is coming to an end here. Like Ian said, with Miller, like kind of backing out on him. He's got Bolins as his crew chief. They work together well in the Xfinity series, but I just don't see Bolins as a really good cup crew chief. So I I see Brad Keselowski on the on, I'm going to throw a wild card. Wild card. <laughs> Leave the 48 out. Take Eric Jones and put him in the five car as the same team. Oh, no. That's a possibility. I could see something like that happening because I think he's really going to be out at Gibbs at the end of the year. Oh, I think we all know well, the, where, where, where uh, Christopher Bell is going to end up at. I think that's, oh, something, yeah. that's something that I think I, that we Connor and I have talked about at, at times – because I don't know if you remember, but Brad Keselowski was supposed to drive the five car in the Cup yep. Series. So I see him going to Hendrick, but maybe the five car. The eight is be not bad. track. Well, my only question to that was I had heard a lot of rumors of when that didn't happen that the the relationship between Rick and Brad really soured. I don't know how true that is, but if that's the case, does that make a play into it? But if you go back and look at Brad Keselowski winning the championship in victory lane, Rick Hendrick was there with a Penske hat on. Yeah, that's and true, too. Penske was there with a Hendrick hat on. So That's probably over with by now. I mean, yeah. That's, that's been, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, here's the way yeah. I see it. I mean, I can see both. I can see it being a dogfight between Noah Gregson and Brad Keselowski. I mean, People, people like, you know, Brandon Jones and Riley Herbst are getting all these rides. So, I mean, there could be a chance that Noah Gregson – somehow ends up in the 48. But if we're going to be realistic, I would probably say Brad Keselowski as well. Uh, again, that that Hendrick versus Keselowski little big up yeah. was like 10 years ago. It's probably forgotten about now. So yeah. it wouldn't I, be a bad thing like in my opinion. I feel like out of 10, rumors kind of like if they're brought – I know people just make stuff up. But if once rumors start like building a little, I mean, I would say 8 out of 10 times they're usually correct. And I mean, Brad's right. a bad shot, but – I can see that one gaining the most traction. And, uh, one, you know, one more thing, one more thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, heard about this, but I saw on Reddit, uh, apparently Roger Penske was on the Dale Jr. download uh, last week, I believe, and mm-hmm. I saw where he, like, excluded Keselowski out of something. I can't remember exactly what they were talking about, but that I, that just gives me a bad feeling. That Yeah, I think he was, like, Penske listing long. his drivers or something, and he left Brad. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, he must be out now. They, they did you know, a video that, chat with Roger Pinsky, and Roger Pinsky had diecast out. He had every die, he had Indy cars, and he had uh, the 22 and the 12, but he didn't have a two diecast. 
Yep. Was, was so, yeah. Touching back on the touching back on the Eric Jones um, to the forty-eight talk. As much as I could really see that happening, and, and as much as of a fan I am of Christopher Bell going to the twenty car, um, I think Dalton. You know, being a Kyle Busch fan and being a Gibbs fan like I am would know best. Gibbs has a long history of maybe letting guys go a little bit too early. Um, it seems mm. like Gibbs, Gibbs has really brought over his his football leadership mentality of pre, like what can you do for me now um, type type leadership where like you got to step in and win. Um, I think a you know prime example of that is Joey Logano. Um, as soon as he stepped out of a Gibbs ride, I mean, he just he started to flourish. So I think I think Gibbs is being a little bit more patient and tolerable with Eric Jones because he knows of his history of letting drivers go maybe a little bit too early. Um, but if 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 nothing else, I, I do think Bell is I mean, I, I think Eric Jones is is um, is definitely on the hot seat this year. But it's it's all really going to depend of where the chips fall before he's able to land a ride. I think the 48 ride is Brad Keselowski's to lose. And then if he doesn't say Brad Keselowski and, you know, in a situation where he just resigns with Penske, then it's kind of where the dominoes fall of who ends up with the 48. Um, it's kind of like a, yeah. like a check, like who fits, who fits the mold. But I definitely think that um, – that Kesler, that's his ride to lose. So I think Hendrick is looking for a leader, someone who is a veteran, and they have enough young people. And and you know Brad comes in with a lot of knowledge. He's you know he gets himself in trouble sometimes, more so in the past. But he is going to bring a lot of knowledge, and I think he's going to be a really good teammate to Chase Elliott's obviously my guy, but I don't see Chase as the veteran leader of the organization. I think they need to fill yeah. that void. And it's also worth noting Jeff Gordon's going to play a huge role in this because that whole team yeah. is going to be Jeff Gordon's team. Right. So, you know, they, him and Keselowski have had some bad blood, but I think Gordon is smart enough to see the value in somebody like Brad Keselowski. Yeah, I'd agree there. Um, just to touch base real quick back to what you guys were saying with Eric Jones and that whole Toyota situation with Joe Gibbs. I think the best thing that they could do is be patient, though. Like you said, they have moved on from some guys too quick. I do think Eric Jones is a hell of a race car driver, um, given some opportunity. I think sometimes one thing that hurts people going there is the expectations are monumental as soon as you step foot into a Gibbs car. So all you can really do unless you are phenomenal is disappoint to a degree. So I think they could be patient, you know, let it race out, let Jones see what he's going to do and go from there because time will tell you whether or not he's the right guy to be in the 20 or not. You know, I just have to laugh at, at you and Connor when you're talking about letting uh, Gibbs, letting drivers go too soon. Do you think that he's kicking himself for um, letting JJ Yaley walk and uh, R.I.P. Jason Leffler walk from the 11 um, too soon. I mean, well, I mean maybe not those two, two, but those are two, those are two guys. Those are two. Those are, that's that's completely different. Um, you know, it you you hit it right on the head when you say that there's a lot of pr- pressure when you walk into Joe Gibbs. I mean, Joe Gibbs Racing arguably has three of the you know you know f- three of the five best drivers in the sport right now. And then when you when Eric Jones is that young, I mean, you got to think, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him. And and, you know, he's still I think Eric Jones is still younger than Christopher Bell. Um, So, I mean, he's he's still a really young guy. And you got to think the pressure that's on him and maybe he hasn't really had, you know, maybe he's he's given his all, but he hasn't really had all that back to him because 
Because if you think in every four car stable, there's, there's one a weak link. test exactly. car. Exactly. And I think that 20 car is no doubt the test car. Um, right. he, mm-hmm. he no doubt doesn't have the best, you know, equipment as the 11, 18, and 19. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe. Maybe the best thing for his career would just be for him to move on, even though that Gibbs might not want to let him go. If you think back to 2017, I think Eric Jones had a really exceptional rookie year in in Barney Visser's other ride in the 77. And, you know, maybe Eric Jones is one of those guys who just flourishes and, and quote-unquote, underfunded equipment. So maybe if Bell and, and Jones swapped rides – you know who who knows maybe they would maybe that would be the best for both of them but um time yeah. only tells switching so, gears a little bit oh what's that go ahead uh all i was gonna say was the thing with eric jones for me is the kid's got the talent i just think that what's missing from him is being able to put that complete race together because there's times during races we see eric jones running up towards the front of the field and then, like something just seems to go wrong for him in those races yeah. so yeah maybe yeah, so who who really knows? But I think uh, yeah, I think if him and Bell swap the rides between the twenty and the ninety-five, maybe that's what Eric Jones needs. Maybe he just needs a little bit of breathing room to take that pressure off from him from a Gibbs ride because, like you said, driving in a Gibbs car, the pressure's already mounted to you already. Yeah. You know, switching, I clearly drive. Switching switching gears a little bit. Uh, we for anybody who doesn't pay close attention to our friends, uh, we do have two. Somewhat professional drivers on our hand. Ian's Ian's driving and I racing like he's like he's wanting a 2021 contract. Uh, Dakota is in a NASCAR Heat Four league. Um, we kind of want to touch on that. So Ian, explain to us how your I racing career has been going and uh, your 2021 negotiation talks for a uh, uh, cup contract. <laughs> well, I started I racing uh, around Christmas of 2016. Uh, that's when I got a computer and I found iRacing. And uh, so I got a setup and I've been racing since then. But I haven't really done it as much up until this whole quarantine started. Because I was in D-level all the way up until about a few weeks ago. And now I'm kind of moving my way up. I'm on my way up to the B class. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's very stressful sometimes because you always have people around you, whether they're lappers or on your lap that are about to take you out because they don't know how to drive competitively sometimes and they just take it as a joke like you'll see pro invitational races speaking of a joke we can go to dakota now and talk about his driving oh man i was slow but my internet, the first two stages screwed me completely. I don't know Your where it was. I turned all my Wi-Fi off on everything, and the third stage, it kind of started working, but it was too far gone. This you Friday saw this was your first road course race. Yeah. That was my first road course on the league, but this Friday will be better. I guarantee it. You did not don't worry, it. Dakota. Hey, Timothy's just getting even with everybody tonight. That's all that's happening. So, Ian, we're... I Word tried. on the block is that you put in an 18-hour day on Iris. Kind of tell us a little bit about that and what that grind was like. Uh, so I started around 10 a.m., uh, you know, got up, had my coffee, and started up. And, you know, I would do a race. The race will probably take maybe 45 to 50 minutes, depends on how many cautions we got. And uh, so I would, you know, take breaks, take breaks, and then I ended up, 
finishing around 4 a.m. that night. So uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 a.m., <laughs> yeah. I was uh, in the sim. So, uh, yeah, I'm my arms were on you. fire. Yeah, that gonna... you're working for that contract. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ian's going to come out of this thing looking like Matt Benedetto. His arms are just going to be freaking ripped after this from <laughs> all that force feedback from his steering wheel for 18 hours. My goodness. Yeah. So, Speaking of iRacing, we had another another pro invitational race this weekend at Richmond International Raceway. Uh, we'll kind of run through run through the screen here and get everybody's thoughts on on what they thought of Richmond. Obviously, not as bad as Bristol, um, but um, you know I, it, was, it was an okay race. I, 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 the super speedways or the, the the mile tracks, mile and a half tracks, have been I think better than than the other ones. But uh, Mike, what do you think? So the actual race itself was probably the first enjoyable iRace in the Pro Invitational Series we've had in a few weeks, in my opinion. Um, I thought there were elements during the, the race that actually looked very similar to a race you'd actually see at Richmond. I thought the race itself was pretty good. We had some pretty late race drama. Um, I really didn't care for the way we kind of got to Sunday. They changed all the formatting as to who got in. We talked about in our podcast, you're starting to see kind of the politics and the money of NASCAR creep into what was supposed to be a lot of fun. Full-time drivers were getting kicked out and guys that are just good at iRacing were getting in. Dale Jr. wasn't allowed in until he got the provisional. So that part of it really irked me. Um, but once we got to the actual race on Sunday, the actual race itself, I thought, was rather entertaining. Uh, overall, I thought it was uh, probably one of the more cleaner races that we saw. It kind of looked like now four four races in, these guys kind of look like they know what they're doing. Uh, take out the whole Matt Benedetto ryan Priest incident with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Where we had a giraffe on the racetrack taking people out. But no, other than that, I thought the race was actually, like Mike said, it looked like a ra an actual race at Richmond. Uh, I found it to be one of the more enjoyable eye races that I've seen because all we all know Bristol two weeks ago was a nightmare. I almost didn't want to even watch the race yesterday because i was like ah, another short track here we go but no they get these guys actually look like they they've taken the time they they know what they're doing now they got their feet a little wet here so i actually really enjoyed it to be honest yeah i thought it was a really enjoyable race uh you know we had william byron dominating again i mean what can this guy not do on i racing uh unbelievable and it's cool that he got his start with his racing career on i racing but uh, I thought, it, you know, it was a good race. Uh, you know, uh, Boyer, he got bubba again, apparently, and he was yucking it up with uh, Fox Sports. So uh, That was all Boyer. That was yeah. probably the best thing that happened in that race was Boyer's engine uh, letting go. So he's out of yeah, there. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. That was, that was the best thing that could have happened to to Fox and the viewing oh, audience. Yeah. Hell, oh, hell yeah. Ian, you, race, you get good enough on iRacing, you might be in the 48 next year. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, he's better than Boyer already, I'll tell you uh -oh. that. I feel like I could drive so much better than these guys on iRacing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. What do you think? So... I, I actually didn't watch all it's, of it. I only watched the last 75 laps because I was too busy chasing my dog with my RC car. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to wait around so she could go to sleep. But, anyway, yeah, uh, I thought it was perfect. Uh, finally, we had a good eye race without any disasters like Bristol last week. And I, and I really do think that the, uh, the no resets really helped out a lot and the mechanical yeah. failures as well. And Clint Boyer blowing an edge, and that really helped us out a lot, too. Wow, <laughs> 
I just can't wait to see what, what happens at Talladega mm-hmm. next week uh, with all this, without any resets. But, you know, to be honest with you guys, I'm just ready for my real racing bag. I'm kind of getting tired of the iRacing BS. I'm just ready. We for know. My... We know. Yep. Yeah. Well, we are ready to go. Real oh, yeah. Did, 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 any of y'all listen, did any of y'all listen to the Teardown Jeff Glucks podcast? I did I, when I was on my workout today, actually. So, uh, I, I, that was the best, I, you know, pro invitational I think I've seen so far. Because for, you know, half. Oh. Actually, watching a race here at Richmond here. You know, guys would get runs and the catch, you know, tires would wear out, guys would come and go. You had the nonsense in the back, guys that couldn't I race, <clears> you know, but the guys that were good were all up front. Brad Kozlowski has stepped it up amazingly on his iRacing career. But, uh, yeah, Jeff Gluck was kind of like, you know, I, I it was really fun at first, but the more I watch all this iRacing on Sundays just makes me each week miss real racing more and more and more. And I'm kind of like, damn it, when are we getting back to the racetrack? Yeah. Dakota, just to build off what you said, Basically, Jeff Gluck's little kind of speech he made on their podcast about the iRacing mirrors exactly 100% how I feel about it. Oh, it started off as like this really fun kind of thing, and now you're starting to see, like I said, the the politics, the uh, the money, yeah. and everything else come into something that was just supposed to be an enjoyable thing until we kind of got back to real racing. Sounds like our group chat. <laughs> 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 Your thoughts? Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good race. I, I, I mean, I could I squint sometimes when I'm watching because it it actually feels like if you squint, it looks like the real thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a pretty good race, and I like the fact that they did the um, the no resets. Yeah. Uh, so that I think that yeah. that helped out a lot. Uh, I just thoughts and prayers are with Christopher Bell. He took a it was a horrible accident. <laughs> At the hands of Ryan Blaney. Uh, yeah, to wrap this all up, <laughs> I, I'll say that uh, you know it, it hands down is the best iRacing you know event that they've put on so far, in my opinion. Um, clean racing all around. I was happy to see Byron win, and I, I think by now, if, if anybody doesn't know that this is a this is a Timmy Hill and William Byron league, and everybody else just gets to fill the field. Um, but like like they always say, you know, it doesn't take long, it doesn't take long for the cream to rise to the crop. And see guys like Kyle Busch in the top five and Brett Kozlowski yeah. in the top five. So, I mean, you know, guys are getting good quick as Dakota cracks another beer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good race. Uh, Talladega, I'm a little skeptical about how that could go. It could either go really good or, or really, really bad. Really bad. Oh, it's going to go yeah. really bad. Yeah. I'm trying not to think that direction, but uh, I'm all of you guys. I, I, I just want real racing back. See, I feel like now I feel like Byron's like what one two races. So when he actually wins, I feel like he's already won a race now. So when he right. wins life, it's not going to be any big deal because I feel like it's already happening. Yeah, right. Right. So. The question is, is when is Byron going to win? Because he's been so close so many times. It's just when's he finally going to close the deal and win himself a cup race? I think it only makes well. sense that he wins the next cup race that we run. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> can you imagine? He gets all that momentum. Yeah. Him, him and Timmy Hill finish. Yeah, one. him and Timmy Hill. Oh my God, that'd be insane. <laughs> Could you imagine? Do people uh, would lose their minds? Timmy Hill got a real life P two. Yeah, right. That would be nuts. Timmy Hill, man, he's Timmy Hill to the forty eight. Uh, <laughs> hey, wild card. 
Hey, I know that was a joking comment, but I would almost love to see a guy like him or like a Corey LaJoy get a chance in that kind of uh, equipment. Because you you hear the stories about how good of drivers they really are based on the situations they're in. To see one of those guys actually get a chance to prove it would be incredible. And that would be a situation where you could almost do that if you wanted, because, you know, you got Ally on board for the next couple of years. So it's not like sponsorship would be a deal. It's not going to happen that way. We all know that. But that would be a whole lot of fun. We were talking about that yesterday, um, you know, the back half of the field, like the real, like, standout talent in the back half of the field. And we listed names like LaJoy and Landon Castle and um, and uh, Timmy Hill. You know, those guys, you know, despite the equipment they're in and the situations that they get in every week and, you know, we're going laps down and stuff, like, watching races every week and being a diehard fan, you almost, for me almost, you almost wish there was a bunch of Timmy Hills and Corey LaJoy's and Landon Castles out there because those guys do exactly what they're supposed to do. They don't tear up money equipment. They get out of the way and they, they run their own race and do what they're supposed to do for their own equipment and their own sponsors. Um, so, you know, who knows? Uh, we were talking about the other day how Landon Castle, how Starcom's probably kicking themselves right now because oh, he, Landon Castle could be getting them all this exposure on iRacing, but instead they went with, uh, Quinn Hall. With Quinn Quinn Hall. So, yeah. And you know, I'm I, the only person, uh, that I think really doesn't want to go back to real racing is Morgan Shepard. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's getting some good exposure out there. No, here's he's the thing though. He's, right he's, that engine is running really good every race. Oh yeah. <laughs> here's the thing with Morgan Shepard's car though, is all that team needs is tires for the race. Because Homestead last year in the Xfinity race, they gave that team tires for throughout the whole race, and he came home with like a 12th or a 13th place finish. So give that team tires every race. Landon Castle could potentially be in the playoffs in the Xfinity series. If if my memory serves me correctly, Landon Castle qualified in the top 10 at Vegas in Morgan Shepard's car. He's qualified really well in that car, since they don't have the tires to complete the race. They run on one set the entire weekend. Morgan's got that thing tuned up, y'all. I mean, y'all, y'all underestimate Morgan. He's, he's under there turning wrenches during the week, so he's he's getting that thing tuned up. Um, y'all ever seen that dude roller skate? Yeah, he's oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As long as he doesn't crash like he did off pit road that one year. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we can all agree that Morgan Shepard is a national treasure that uh, that God needs to protect and keep him in our sport as long as possible. Hey, that's why I tagged all you guys in Twitter the, on that little poll today. So who's the real go? It was Stormin, Norm Benning, and Morgan Shepard. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta, rock, you gotta always rock with 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 Morgan, in my opinion. Um, some, some positive news coming out today of NASCAR. Um, they're potentially going to return the week before the Coke 600 at a track, quote unquote, close enough to Charlotte within reasonable driving distance. Uh, everybody's kind of pointing fingers to Darlington. I'm thinking, you know, maybe Richmond, maybe Atlanta. What do you guys think? Rockingham? Rockingham. (laughs) Now we're talking. Pretty much any southeastern track is within driving distance and doable. So, yeah, here's my take on it. Like, Darlington is supposed to be the first race of the playoffs, and I think by then we're going to ha- we're going to be back racing. And I think even at that point we might even have fans back in the stands. So if they're going to go back racing in a 
vicinity that's close enough to the Charlotte shops, why not go back to some of these tracks that got postponed already, like in Atlanta, like a Martinsville, something like that. So to kind of jump ahead to Darlington is an interesting move for me because then they lose that first race of the playoffs right there. Like, what would they do with that? So I would go to a track that's already had a race postponed in my mind like texas or like in atlanta or something like that because we saw with texas they're ready to go <laughs> dalton would love that if we went to texas no. <laughs> but no, no i don't think you give i don't think you can give dalton tickets to texas and ha- actually have him go oh, yeah, that's, just, yeah, that's just kind of my <laughs> take on it is why why go to a track that's already got a, a race scheduled for later in the year when we could potentially run it at that scheduled time why not just go back to a race that's already yeah. been postponed? Switch it. Yeah, 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 yeah Nick, uh, I actually agree with you because, uh, see, when they, when they announced this this morning, I, was, I thought, you know, why, why Darlington? I mean, it's already scheduled for the playoff opener. So, I mean, if, if, if you want to go to Darlington, fine, but how are you going to make that work? Like, what's, who's going to be the playoff opener? This is my biggest question. And uh, also, I just got a report, uh, speaking of Texas, or Texas is what I call it, uh, they are, are actually uh, confirming that they want to move to the first week of June uh, mm-hmm. for it, so that they can do an IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader, which I think is a good move in my opinion. See, yeah, I, I agree. Charlotte released a statement. Uh, I think the president of Charlotte Motor Speedway, what was it, Marcus, Marcus Smith or somebody, and his statement made it sound like they don't want to run the 600 until they can run it with fans in the stands and yeah. that, that is, that's my that's my next point um a is it possible and b like what do you what do you guys take on it should we should we get racing back with no fans or should we just wait until we can put some asses in seats and get this thing going like we should <laughs> so timothy kind of just hit exactly on what i wanted to talk about though and the reason i don't want darlington to be the first race back is almost one of the same reasons I'd like to see them wait with the Charlotte situation. You've got your races that are your crown jewels that are your biggest races. You got, you know, the Southern 500, Coca-Cola 600, obviously you're already passed the Daytona 500, so on and so forth. You know, uh, Bristol night race, some of your biggest races of the year. Those ones I'd really like to see if possible, if we could wait until we can actually get fans back in. Cause you know, it's going to feel really, really weird just to be back to racing as it is. It's like, with no fans there, but then you put like a crown jewel race with empty seats. That just would be really weird. And I think it'd be really doing the sport a disservice. I would, if I'm in charge and if I'm somebody making the decisions there, I'm doing everything in my power to move it to one of those Southeastern tracks. That's not part of that, you know, like the crown jewel kind of races. Is it possible NASCAR is basically thinking about, you know, this 10 race playoffs, not going to, you know, we don't care what track it's at. We just need to get all 36 races in. It's possible. Um, like I kind of said in the, the the group chat today, the only thing I think they can't really mess with as far as the schedule, I don't think they can take away or add races to a racetrack based on the agreement that's already in place. So, for example, just using our home track in Chicagoland, you're not going to see two Chicagoland dates later in the year all of a sudden. They've always had one. I think that's what they're locked into. Um, I think they can move them around. I just think the most advantageous thing to the sport would be to wait on some of those kind of races. Like I said, like your Coca-Cola 600, Southern 500, all that, until we can actually get people in the stadium. Hey, Dakota. You do realize you're on NASCAR's number one podcast right now. So oh, if you'd like, a, if you'd like to have a conversation with somebody else, we can let you go. 
No, I'm out here grilling and chilling and eating dinner. My take is I think we take the whole NASCAR schedule we had this year and you throw it in the trash can. Because we don't know what the, f- the hell is going to happen. Oh, my God. So, at this fucking... point, you say, what tracks can we go to and what tracks can we go to now without fans or with fans? And at this moment, you know, hey, Richmond's off the charts because it's Virginia. Martinsville's off the charts because Virginia. Y'all are locked down until June. Oh, but we can go to Homestead. We could maybe just go ahead and go back to Daytona. We can go to Atlanta. We can, hell, go to Talladega. You know, go ahead and just mock up the schedule as we run. Like I was saying in the group chat the other day was like, go to races we can go to and make the schedule as you can. And hopefully later in the year, fans can come back. And (laughs) this is what the playoffs will be. Get a season in. But me and my buddies were talking today is no matter if we go back racing, whoever the champion is this year, I feel like is going to have like a asterisk by their name and whoever the champion ends up this year, they're going to be like, Oh, he didn't really earn it. Now that no, I see, I disagree with that. Doesn't count. Because yeah, I think I, this is going to be the toughest schedule that mm-hmm. is going to throw at the drivers because we don't know what the hell they're going to do. And whoever wins this championship is going to be probably the best of the best. Yeah. It'd be difficult as hell. Yeah, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think when they do finally get back to the track and racing, what you're going to see is you're going to have really short weekends. You're going to have probably a practice and a quick qualify and then right into the race. So you're not going to have time to make adjustments to your setups as much as you normally would and things like that. So I think you're going to really see who are the best of the best to make an adjustments to what you already have to work with. Who's the best of the best to setting the, the car up to go to the track before you get there um, with everything we got going on. I think you're, it's almost going to be the opposite. You're going to see who's really prepared to roll with the, you know, what hits the fan when the season goes on. And I think you're seeing NASCAR start to get into kind of a high gear mode here. They're hemorrhaging money like crazy. All the mm-hmm. revenue. I mean, uh, you, you were saying today yeah. about. Yeah, NASCAR um, has offered long tenure employees um, a buyout of their contracts um, for them to retire or a settlement they can do. So, so basically saying that they need to lay off more people in, in order to keep paying the bills. And that's. Well, first and foremost, I want to apologize for my co-host here. He's been on edge all day. I, I caught him uh, pacing the garage this morning, uh, <laughs> having lose yourself to himself. But uh, uh, my other question is, like, what, is, what does this do for the track, like, shareholders, like the sponsors that, that you know, hang build, billboards at the track? Like, what does this do for their, for their brand? Because we see, you know, the brands and the sponsorships that are on cars now, they're getting a decent amount of exposure with this iRacing gig going on. I mean, every driver's doing post-race videos, pre-race yeah. videos and stuff. So those sponsors are going to be okay. But, like, my question is, what are these sponsors who have relationships with the tracks going to do, and how is that going to affect the track's revenues going forward? Well, look, yeah, that... uh, Connor, like, here, here's what I found out about, like, a month before this all happened. Um, I remember uh, Adam Stern reported that uh, – or actually, no, 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 excuse me. It was Joey Logano, as much as I hate the guy, but he's right about this. Uh, he says <laughs> that he says that it's very important that we get all 36 races run because uh, you got to think about the sponsorship money. And Adam Stern released a, por- a report saying that NASCAR would lose so much money in sponsorship with these tracks. So, so, right. 
And then Connor to kind of, yeah. And then Connor just kind of touch on what you were saying with the, you know, the people that have, you know, the advertising at the track and the banners and stuff for the fans to see those sponsors. I think the one thing is for the races where, you know, you're not going to have people at the track for NASCAR has got to get really creative as to how they, they broadcast those races. You have to make it worth those sponsors while still awesome shot, by the way, Dakota. Hell yeah. Kobe. <laughs> 24. But, yeah, it's just like, kind of like we were all talking about a couple weekends ago with WrestleMania, you know, it gave uh, WWE some chances to shoot some really creative stuff as you saw they did. And they did a good job with it. NASCAR is going to also have to find some ways to shoot some things. So you obviously not being any fans isn't a total distraction from the broadcast. And you're going to have to find ways to make it advantageous for those sponsors that normally would be getting a bunch of people's eyes on their product. So Mike, do you want to see drivers like fighting under the grandstands and a no, uh, hey, no. <laughs> yes, I do. Cage match. Who wouldn't want to see that? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I think, think every think driver, driver except for Matt De Benedetto, so that could be in the group We could talk about NASCAR fights. <laughs> now we're talking. I don't think anyone's really going to be thinking about the empty stands. People just want racing back, right. and I just, I just want yeah. racing back on TV. I don't care if I can't go to any of the races this year. I just want some something normal back in my life. Well, back to the empty seats here. I mean, like I said in the group message, I was saying that, uh, you know, I watch 85% of my races on TV anyway. I know I go to like five to seven to eight races a year, but I'm always watching them every weekend on TV. So just run them on TV. I don't care if fans are there. I don't care. I just want to see racing. Right. But here's the only counterpoint I would make to that really fast. So um, I know it's a different sport, but. I think the analogy still runs true. So I think it was like 2013 or 2014 when they had the riots in Baltimore. The Baltimore Orioles played the Chicago White Sox in an empty stands game at Camden Yards. And it was so eerie. Like, you know, everyone understands the situation. It is what it is. But it was so eerie. And I don't think they handled that broadcast well. So I I think everyone's going to understand what the situation is. But you still have to, to shoot the event in a way that that doesn't become a distraction. And I think that's best suited for that, though. Back to well, the and they can, you know, they can line the grandstands with big banners. They've done that in some sections of the grandstands. Yeah. That they well, can. Listen, I, I just want to go back to the empty grandstand debate real quick. I mean, I would much rather play, play it safe than sorry because, I mean, none of us know if this coronavirus is going to, you know, bring a second wave or if it's going to come back in the fall. I mean, uh, with all, if we go ahead and group everybody up together right now. So I, I, I suggest we just wait, uh, just keep, just run without the fans uh, so that we can get the sponsorship money from the tracks and then just take our time. And then who knows, we could slowly start. Uh, I, I remember Timothy brought this up in the uh, fan council. Uh, they want to like sit fans, like two seats in between and then just work their way up to full, full time. That's also what um, the president thinks as well. So you know, yeah, the issue, I mean, the issue is what I don't want to see is us go back racing and then we have to stop racing because we, right. you know, That's what I'm talking I mean, about. because yeah. if you allow all these fans in the stands and some of them have the virus, I mean, you can multiply that by whatever, and then they're taking it back with them to other states and it just becomes a big, it wouldn't even be a second wave. It's not even the end of the first wave. It's just a, you know, resurgence of the first wave. So they've well, got to really, yeah. until this is this, I think they've got to wait till this is really gone to a degree before they fill these tracks with fans. 
it's going to take like 2020. Yeah. I had a wild card scenario. I had a wild card scenario. What if we go back racing with no fans, like three or four races, and it's kind of weird, but we're enjoying it. And all of a sudden, you know, a Joey Logano, a Kyle Busch, a Kevin Harvick gets it. And in oh, the middle God. of the season, and they have to like swipe the whole season. Yeah, so that's one of the things they talked about in uh, the teardown. So that's a scary thing. Even if we go no fans and it's just essential people, you're going to have so, you know, that's still like a thousand people coming to the racetrack week in a week out from all these tracks and the media and officials and everybody else that's already involved. So if one person gets it, it's like what happens if, you know, you go into Friday, Saturday, you go into Sunday race, you know, you get ready to start and – Ryan Blaney shows up and he's got a 105 degree fever. Right. Well, well, uh, I don't know if you saw, but with the MLB, with what they're saying, with them playing over in Arizona with empty stadiums, they were going to keep testing the players and like, yep. you know, everyone that works with the teams, they're going to test them every day. They're with each other and, you know, check their temperatures. Right. So you, you, they're, what, they're probably going to be on top of it, but yeah, it's still going to be, you know, what if that happens? Yeah. yeah he, imagine that's what, uh, that's what Dr. Fauci just said. He said sports can't return. But as long as teams, drivers, or athletes of whatever sport get tested, they stay mm. in their hotels, they don't go anywhere else. Yeah. And we return. But so. can you Even imagine? the media people, too. Like, you got to limit that because I'm sure there's not going to be a lot of journalists, you know, at the track or, you know, even at, you know, baseball games or anything. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Can you imagine, well, though, if they, like, start – Can you imagine, though, if they, like, start taking these drivers' temperatures before the races – and some of them had fevers, not even related to coronavirus. I mean, were they not going to let them drive? Right. Well, see, that's, that's the thing, because, like, who really knows? Because, I mean, you could have this virus and not even show any symptoms. So if somebody comes in, yeah, it could be the common cold, but I think they would err on the side of caution with all that. So that's part of it, too. And, you know, something like Jeff Gluck talked about in his podcast, too. So what if one of the crew members gets it from the weekend, then goes home and gets his family sick? Is that something they could file a lawsuit against NASCAR on, too? I think there's a lot of other little weird stuff like that that, you know, maybe we don't think about because we don't have to make those decisions that when you start hearing some of those things come up, it really makes you think that there's a million and one things and scenarios that really go into this. Like, so that's why it's going to be on your radar. Yeah. It, it so that's why it's like, difficult. Go ahead. Because, like, uh, that's why it's difficult is because, Nat, yeah, NASCAR, the drivers are going to be more than six feet away from each other. They're going to be driving the race cars, but there's, like Mike said, there's still going to be all the crew members there and everything. There's still going to be a lot of people there, so it's still a huge risk. So, yeah, it's going to be really tough. It sounds like, to me, that we're all in agreement. What I've been lobbying for is to cancel the season. So no. Gonna, oh, no, no. Not at all. Hey, not at all. I think, hey, uh, I think I, the I, one thing we can agree on really fast, no matter when we do go racing, it'll be really easy for social distancing for timothy because as ornery as he's been lately nobody within 10 seats is going to want to sit next to him anyway <laughs> hey, uh, normally i sit in my own suite thank you very much oh, okay. Okay, big uh, i mean just to just to kind of wrap this topic up i think by doing that and you know testing every week and all that stuff and a driver potentially having a fever and it just could be related to allergies and not the coronavirus i think you're just playing with fire when you do that i think yeah Anything, I think we need to flatten the curve a little bit more and then just kind of baby step our way into getting back into racing. I think, you know, jumping ahead and, and trying to do too much, like test everybody every other day and all that stuff. I mean, I think you're just really playing with fire 
um, before the curve even bends out a little bit more. I mean, the good thing about NASCAR opposed to the NBA and, you know, maybe the NLB is or MLB is, you know, we've got a little bit of time on our hands, too. Um, uh, there's there's yeah. ways we can still get the full season in, you know, sparing a few more weeks and stuff. You know, the NBA is really in a tough position because they'd be in the second round of the playoffs right now. So, yeah. Um, I, I think I, I think there's some good things on our side, but I definitely think we need to baby step our way into doing that. And I think NASCAR officials are doing um, a really good job of, of trying to do their best. Um, Sonoma says that they would rather not run at all than run with no fans in the stands. This was kind of surprising to me, and I didn't really understand why, but I want to get everybody's thoughts on that. This is this so, is so <laughs> confusing. Like, first, we got Darlington that wants to run. Right now, or right now, the week before the 600, said their playoff opener. Now you got Sonoma that does that rather cancel without fans. I just, I just really don't understand that. I mean, again, I really don't think Sonoma has a choice. I mean, they want to run all 36 races, so right. I say yes, they lose a lot no of money if they don't. Well, I just think Sonoma is one of those tracks where they they proudly boast about having a sellout like every year there, being the road course and everything. I wonder how much, you know, they're in, they're in the vineyards and wine country and all that. I just wonder how much they really do rely on that revenue as opposed to other areas. Not to say others don't. I wonder if that comes into play there. Um, that would be my best guess. As, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not the biggest proponent of road course racing. I think a lot of them, especially the ones at Sonoma for the most part, aren't always super fun to watch. Um, so if we don't race at Sonoma, I'm not going to be hurt. Yeah, I'm not going to be too mad if we don't race at Sonoma. I think Sonoma is one of the worst races of the year. Dakota obviously disagrees. Yeah, I think Sonoma is one of the worst I love all kinds of racing. However, I wanted to mention earlier in our chat that our governor of Georgia released today that Georgia will go back to coming weekend. And everybody that I know and around is like, dude, are you serious? Like, this stuff's still going on. And the governor allowed businesses to open back up this weekend. And everything's posting like, hey, we're coming back open this Saturday. And it's like, yo, this stuff is not stopped at all. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, look at Florida. They just opened up a bunch of beaches. I mean, the issue is is stupid. Without, yeah. You know, we don't don't get it to. uh, Who is that? (laughs) <laughs> we don't take a guess take a wild guess we don't get into politics a lot but what what you're going to see is you're going to see republican governors reopen their states hope prematurely and you're going to see democratic governors keep their states closed probably longer than they should so, so can that's we, where we are so can we all agree that this is just one big political scam in an election year wouldn't be the first time we had a huge uh, disease happen during an election year. Right? Uh oh! Look, they're all fired up now. Yeah. This is what me and my dad talk about when this all started. In 2004, we had the bird flu election year. 2008, we had the swine flu election year. Well, this really was an election year, but 2014, we had Ebola. 2016 election year we had the Zika virus and now 2020 here we got the coronavirus. So you see, I, I see a little trend there. I don't know about y'all, but <laughs> Timothy could be right here. I gotta admit it, about about everything. That's what I thought. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Nobody's right about everything, Tim. 
I the, the reason I had brought up Darlington, us going to Darlington and them not losing a, a date but adding one is because I saw Pacris's tweet yesterday. Somebody tweeted at him and was like, "Well, if Sonoma decides to drop, then what are we gonna do?" And he was like, "Well, yeah. take your pick. I mean, we could we could do Roval, we could do another Glen, we could do insert any track you want." So that's why I don't think you know with Pacris saying that, I don't think it'd be a big deal, especially with NASCAR owning most of these tracks nowadays. They it, they're not really like in a big contract bind with you know smi so i think it would be a lot easier for nascar to add another date at a track than just be like no we can't go there because we go there later in the year i think by this point it's like we got to do what we got to do to get all 36 races in if that's adding another roval so be it if that's adding another talladega atlanta homestead you know so be it you know especially with florida being really the you only know, state open right now i mean yeah homestead right. looks really attractive exactly what i said earlier <laughs> if if i'm nascar and sonoma says we're not racing without fans then i'm gonna say you're no longer on the schedule from here on out i um, wouldn't be too late. Yeah, right be too mad and we'll that. go to, we'll go to another road course there are plenty not of road courses out there road america well you know, listen i think this is the last year of the contract for all the tracks pretty much so yeah um, you know, just Sonoma can go away. Well, and I agree, but listen, and I could be wrong. Um, you know, there, there could be verbiage in the contract that allows them because, you know, this being kind of unprecedented scenario where they can kind of move races around and add and subtract from what they have. I just, I don't know enough about the contract. I know always in the past that had always been an issue with changing the schedule and adding and taking away dates was this contract. So I was I always kind of worked off of when everyone's playing around with the schedule of we can't really add or take away dates based on what we've seen in the past. Maybe with this being kind of an extraneous situation, maybe they'd be able to change that. So who knows? But I mean, if they can, yeah, why not run as many races at tracks that we're allowed to do so as possible now? If the, the contractual stuff isn't an issue, why not? And I agree wholeheartedly. Sonoma, if you don't want to play ball with what we got going on right now when times are tough. You know, next year we could take you off the schedule altogether and not really lose any sleep over it. I'll just right. say we don't have to run a race in Texas. Oh, we know, Dalton. We know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, back Kevin's to Sonoma. Good real quick. There. Kevin's Sonoma, good there. Uh, Walkett's Glen is greater than Sonoma. I mean, we can all agree to that. Yeah, oh, yeah, we can all agree, and I think uh, I think we all wouldn't mind seeing like another Roval, or even like uh, even like a Road America or or Mid Ohio, or just a track we haven't seen. I mean, a lot right. a lot of good can come out of this. Uh, Road America is fun, man. I've been there a couple times. It's such a great place to go watch a race because you got so many different turns that you can go and watch the race because you got a general admission ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I said insert Iowa. But uh, Timothy's not a fan of Iowa. And, and oh, let's go! That's such a fun track. I'm there. I'm there. I'm in. I'm in for any track that's within a couple hours driving distance of us, us Northerners up here. So I would be way <laughs> cool with that. Hey, I always feel like I always feel like you know I'm always like man I'd love to go to Iowa. I'd love to go to Chicago. I'd love to go to Michigan. But are y'all like I'd love to go to Daytona. I'd love to go to Atlanta. I'd love to go to Day. Yeah, that's exactly how we are. Yep. Yeah, yeah we're opposites so here. Like, I, go, I go to all these southern tracks all the time, and like I know all the ins and outs. But then up north, I'm like, man, Iowa seems so fun. Yeah, well, I just think for us, it's because we're so far away from NASCAR's, you know, quote unquote, like their their territory, like the start of the sport where a lot of the tradition of the sport is like we know how we do NASCAR up here and how races go up here. But I'd have to I'd have to think that it's a whole different beast down by you guys in the south where where NASCAR really comes from. 
I'd have to imagine there's a huge difference between going to Bristol or Martinsville or Richmond than there is going to like a Chicagoland or Indy or Michigan that we usually will typically go to. I feel like the tracks are more unique down here just because of what what all they are and have around. Yeah, what it started on, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. Well, it's a di- it's a different culture too. I mean, you guys are in a different part of the country, so everything. You know, the way we move down here in the South is different than you guys move in the Midwest. And it's just like even when I went to Chicago last year, it was just like it was almost a little culture shock. It was like, wow, people people down up here really move different than than people where I'm from and stuff. Granted, you know, we live in Roanoke, Virginia, which is a small town, um, but it's just it's just different locations. That's why I would like to see a way a race out in the West Coast like uh, Vegas or an auto club just to see like really what the culture is like around there what the NASCAR uh, fan bases around there. Um, something else that I don't think is really getting talked about a whole ton is, um, you know, we've already, you know, covered the 20, uh, 2021 next-gen cards being pushed back to 2022, which I think we can all agree is, is a good move, that we mm-hmm. don't roll it out there unfinished. Um, but in terms of the 2021 schedule, already supposed to be out by now, obviously not going to release it with, you know, everything up in the air. Do you think we run a different – a new 2021 schedule next year, or do you think they roll that schedule out when we roll out the next gen? I would venture to guess they'll, they'll piecemeal a little bit for 2021. And just like the, the, the next gen car, you'll really see what they want to do with the schedule full time in 2022. I think because of the circumstances we're in, they might make some tweaks and changes for next year, but their hands are going to be more or less tied with, and you know, they're going to be busy enough with everything as is just getting this year in. So being able to intelligently put the schedule together for the future, I don't think is the best way to go about it until 2022. Yeah. I think uh, let's play it smart here. I don't think it would be a great idea to really mess around a whole schedule during like a pandemic like this. So why not just wait until 2022 roll out that new next gen car and roll out that brand new schedule. I think piece those two together. I think it would be pretty awesome. Exactly. I think, yeah, you need to roll out the new schedule with the new next gen car because that's what everyone was waiting for. Yeah. And just one other little thing to kind of touch on with that, too. You know, Connor, you and I have kind of talked in the group, too. I know you play the Formula One video game. I follow Formula One pretty closely myself as well, as well as NASCAR. Um, They were both kind of positioned in a way where, you know, contractually the sport was going to look way different going into next year. The cars were going to look way different. The rules packages were going to look way different. NASCAR was kind of put that same way too. I think a lot of it's going to change now because of the way we're at now. But if you do wait to change that schedule until the next year, it also allows you to still have that where 2022 then becomes like the start of the next generation of NASCAR, not just the car, but like the whole look of the sport. So I think changing the schedule then still accomplishes that, even though the contractual stuff is going to happen at the end of this year, probably still. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think you should roll both of those out hand in hand um, just so we can officially kind of turn the page in NASCAR and get a new ball rolling. I, I think it'd be a little bit weird to have like a brand new schedule and mate, possibly right. some new tracks and then not have the new car out yet. So I definitely think exactly. that uh, both of those should go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, I I, th- I think that's probably true. I want the whole thing. I'm I'm mad that it's not going to be next year. So, yeah, I, there's not a lot that doesn't really mad at these days. 
Bullshit. It doesn't take it doesn't take nothing for you to assess someone with an L one penalty in the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just gave Dakota one. Uh, I just texted Dakota a, a penalty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why y'all texted during this? We're, we're busy here. See, yeah, right. with T- Timothy will uh, will issue the penalties, but then when we try and issue one to him, is when he really unleashes the beast out of them. That's when hell gets unleashed. <laughs> or when Dakota drops an age joke in there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When an age joke is dropped in there, it, it's all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Just like Jimmy Spencer, I never forget. <laughs> Oh, he had surgery. He had surgery to, to yeah. put them back. <laughs> That's true. Ian, you're, you're a Kurt Busch fan. Can you confirm? You know what? I haven't actually heard that. That's true. It's, <laughs> it is true. Was that before, before or after he had the special he had agent girlfriend? He had surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we all know how Patricia Driscoll would disappear in the night and come back bloodied and and stuff. That was, she was, that, an was, that, was quite the, that was quite the Kurt Busch quote right there. Oh yeah. Listen, I don't care what sport you're talking about. That's the craziest story I've ever read oh, anywhere. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, hey, man, my girlfriend is a secret spy assassin. Like, how does that even come up? And how does how does any reputable news source publish that and not be like we look like complete idiots right now? We got one dead for the fact that you stole money from our own foundation. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you expect it out of anyone like or anyone more than a than a Bush brother? I mean, take her. Uh, absolutely not. Out. No. So I mean, them Bush boys are wild. Right. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess my final question to everybody is how how do you guys plan on spending uh well, what is the rest of quarantine? We know Dakota's still working, he's at a hotel right now, but uh, how's everybody planning on spending the rest of it? Chicago got some snow last week, so Mike, you couldn't work. Uh, what's been going on? Well, I could work, but um it was just one of those things that makes my job kind of hard cuz I do somewhat work outside. But we're on a, a week on week off with my job right now, so I, I work seven days and then I'm off, uh, the, you know, another six days technically. So um, yeah, I mean, spend it right now, you know, talking to you guys about racing. We've kind of had our conversations in group chat about putting together our own little uh, NASCAR heat league stuff like that, and just uh, kind of wait it out and see what's what. Um, you know, we've all been pretty good in the group chat, especially Connor, you, me, and Dakota. You know, with the whole working out and all that kind of stuff too, and. I've been trying to do that as much as I can, too, is use as much of my time productively as we can and see what's what. Yeah, but real quick, though, crazy thing with that snow, we got like two and a half inches, and then the next day it was like 55 degrees yeah. and everything melted. Uh, it, it was, was melted by noon the same day. Yeah. It's, it's spring for you. Yep. Well, yeah, for me, that's the Midwest. Yeah. So for me, like, I work in a grocery store, but I haven't been working because my mom told me if I'm still going to be working, I can go find somewhere else to live. So actually, the last week, they called me and they're like, hey, bud, when you coming back? And I was just like, I honestly have no idea. I told you guys I will be homeless if I go back to work. So my plan is that <laughs> Illinois, Illinois is supposed to... Uh, lift their thing, lift their state home order April 30th. So I just threw out, I was like, I'll be back on April 30th. I'll see what I can do. If I have to go crash on Mike's couch, I go crash on Mike's couch and go back Dude, to work. Come on I'm, over. I'm going crazy over here, not being able to work, not getting any of cool 
Yeah, so I've just been – my only freedom is walking my dogs. I walk my dog as much as I can. I'll continue to do that. I'll continue to just play play uh, NASCAR Heat 4, get on with you guys in our league and everything, and then acquire an iRacing rig at some point towards the end of this quarantine. Hey. <laughs> so well, that's to. We're waiting on Connor to buy his the PS4. Uh, I'm waiting on my Trump bucks, and uh, I, I think the better deal is uh, Timothy buy the PS4 and I'll fund the game. Uh, <laughs> you can't hide money. Uh, you can't hide money. I think I think Timothy Martin's on a little bit of bit of a better budget than I am right now, as I'm currently renting out space in a basement and uh, making about eighty bucks a week uh, before I get my stimulus check. So uh, you know, we'll we'll have to see. I definitely am on board for the for the Heat League. Uh, I just I hope Timothy Martin is able to join us in it. My God, I'll uh, buy a PlayStation and put it in my room, and you won't be in the league. Uh, that's, that's, that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take my Trump bucks and in, in, uh, invest in an iRacing rig, and, and me and me hey. will we'll tear that bitch up next next year in the, in the World Cup series. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. Hell yeah! I'm working. I'm in Savannah, Georgia. I'm eating a, you know, grill smoked steak with beans and a nice cold sweet water 420. You know, you think I was just living my best life out here, but uh, some of us got to work and, you know, do things. But I'm really glad y'all are having, like, just the time of your life playing iRacing. racing. you have a job. <laughs> <laughs> Dalton, what have you been up to? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> just, just chilling. And, and to make things worse, my PS4 controller won't work. Oh, uh, oh, big rip. Big rip. I hate All right, everybody. Well, I think that's I think that's going to do it for uh, for this show. Uh, so here's what I want to do. I want you and I to say crash and then I want everybody on the screen to say trouble. Yeah, we're, we're going to stay Ooh, on I like it. for a little bit after this and kind of just talk it up with them. But I hope everybody enjoyed this kind of new format we experienced around with getting back on our YouTube page, which we've probably been unactive on for around a year now so uh you know who knows maybe we'll have to go with this format moving forward the next two weeks we got some pretty stellar guests on we'll be sure to announce that soon uh one may be uh, a professional iRacer you and you know, need to see if they have skype we knows? could just have them on video who knows? We'll, we'll see about that so a lot of questions to be answered i want to thank each and every one of you guys for taking the time to join us tonight ian i hope it I uh, hope I didn't, you know, steal you too long for the race you got to go spot or the race you got to go race. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate everyone being on with us tonight. Any closing thoughts from from you guys? Um, yeah, I just want to say, hey, thanks for having us on again. You know, you know, you guys came on our podcast and we appreciated that. But real quick, I want to ask, how many return guests have you guys had? I, I feel like I got to be in rare company here, right? Yeah, we we've had. Uh... Yeah, like had Daniel Sylvester. Darian. Darian. Uh, I can't think Michael for sure. Cozy. Michael Cozy, yeah, you're definitely in rare air. You're in the you're in the upper upper echelon category of I mean, uh, returning on the podcast. So is Dakota. Timothy's got something smart to say. I can tell by the look on his face. I'm in the big league. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike, this will be the final time you're on our podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> Funny guy. <laughs> it's been really cool like what we've been able to do the past month just all coming together with our group chats and everything you guys coming on our show last week was awesome coming on here was awesome first time on for the lead not like uh dakota and mike who've been on here all the damn time but yeah was, <laughs> i really i really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah it was fun thanks for having us guys and uh we, we got definitely gotta do this again all right well i guess there's just one thing left to say crash, crash. trouble trouble, trouble. Go with the